Welcome uh, to Refuge. So glad you guys are here. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it, and we're going to go to 2 Timothy in, his, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and before we get there, I'll give you a little bit of time. You go through the Gospels, you go through the Ians, and then you end up in Thessalonians, and then you'll find yourself in Timothy. Uh, so that's how you get there if you don't know. Uh, or it's page one in my notes in my iPad, so that's, um, that won't help you at all. Uh, before I get into this, let me just say thank you to everyone who helped out yesterday uh, on our sudden need that the city had to hang some uh, Christmas lights, so appreciate that. And don't forget, this Thursday, uh, if you don't have any plans in the morning, I know this Thanksgiving, some of you may be traveling, that's completely fine, but if you don't have anything to do, you'd like to help serve, We'll meet again as we meet every Thanksgiving on the corner of 10th and MLK, and we will be kind of preparing plates and then handing them out starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. All right, this is Paul's final words that we will have on record, uh, as a matter of fact, and he chose to write to his boy Timothy. Uh, of all people, this protege that Paul has his boy Timothy, and he's going to give us some pretty cool instructions, um, and I want to pick it up, and I'm going to read the first few verses, but I'm, I want to focus mainly on that second part, um, because plenty of sermons have been had on this first section, that, and plenty of bad sermons have been had on this first section, because it's talking about end times and all that stuff, but I'll give you better context um, if I can, and I'll be squinting, my glasses have a giant gash in them, and so... We'll pray that I don't mess up the word of God. It could have been like old school on y'all, like had somebody read for me. Y'all don't remember that kind of, that was like Pentecostal church. Like we had like somebody read the scripture and then stop right there. And like, then you, okay. All right. Let's kind of go. All right, here we go. All right. Verse one, but understand this. Remember this, Paul talking to his Timothy here. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Now, when you read this section of Scripture, sometimes we can think of when he says in those last days that that's probably some futuristic event that's happening but Paul is telling him listen this is happening now and if you read that list you probably thought the same thing I thought bro that ain't like 2,000 years ago that's still going on right now so the question isn't is the last day some futuristic event that's going to take place and then all of a sudden boom all of these weird things are going to start taking place no in my personal opinion the last days started when Jesus ascended to heaven and whether you are in the last days now, if Christ comes today, or if he comes 3,000 years from now, 
it doesn't matter, you'll still be in the last days. So here's the question and kind of the problem that Paul presents itself. Here is the problem. You got all this crazy things going on. Be careful, Timothy, not to let that slip into the church. This is what last day's living looks like. Now, how do you counter that, Timothy? How do you counter this when the world is really anti-Christ right now? When the spirit of anti-Christ is already here now. When the spirit of anti-Christ was there in the first century. How do you live like it's the end? I think that's the question that I'm going to present to us before we get into these next few verses. And so now he's going to go from 19 vices to now a solution to how we are to live. So look what he says in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, which person, and I can, uh, I, I can't even pronounce this word right now, anyway, Listerine, Lister, uh, which persecutions I endured, that's the first thing I saw when I read that, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, now if you have a Bible, like I would, I would highlight, circle this word because this is powerful. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And here's one of the famous verses here. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray over the reading of God's word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that it is indeed so true. Just as you breathe life into man, you've breathed out your word. And in it we find life. Jesus said that uh, my word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. So, Father, my earnest prayer is that you would sanctify us. So many of us have been looking for you to speak audibly to us. I just want to say thank you, God, that we just read your truth and your word. And I do ask that you save and sanctify in Jesus' name. Amen. So since Jesus did not return after Paul died, since he did not return after Timothy died. It's like Paul here is telling him, listen, you have to live your life like it's the end. There's no question about it. Live for Jesus, even when the world opposes Jesus. And what does that look like? So remember, Paul gave us all of these vices, all of these issues that are taking place in their culture. And you read that, you're like, bro, that's like today. That's happening right now. So how do we live counter this life? 
How do we live in a world that opposes the truth of God's word? Look what Paul says in verse 10 through 11. And if you're taking notes, like write this down. Follow the model. Paul is telling Timothy, look, just how I've been living my life here post-Christ, just follow that example. In fact, he says that in 1 Corinthians, I believe, 4.16, like, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's not the idea that Paul is presenting himself as the answer. He's just saying, listen, as I am following Christ, as I am searching for him, for him to sanctify me, for him to continue to grow me, like, just come on in with me and follow me after this. Like, follow me in this adventure. Remember what he says here. You, however, have followed my teaching. You follow his model. Like, you get kids. I don't know if your kids ever do this or not, but mine do. Like, he's copying me. If your kids don't do that, God, I pray right now that their kids would start doing that. It's the most annoying thing. I'm like, well, just stop looking at them. Go to a separate room. It's not hard. But Paul isn't saying that. Paul's like, copy me. Dude, just, just follow my lead here. And he's telling him this to Timothy. Like, like, Paul is getting close to Timothy, not just to instruct him, not to just, like, give him more revelation or, or more doctrine. He's like, dude, I just want to influence you. I just want you to follow after my lifestyle here. Just follow the patterns of my life. Like, this is crucial to the life of this church and to the life of all believers that you have someone to follow. You know, I think I ranted on this a couple of weeks ago about, you know, how the church has just put so much of an emphasis on leadership and leadership and leadership. But here again, as Paul's like, dude, where's the fellowship at? Find someone to follow after. Follow the model. And, and make sure it's the right model. Okay, because that's important. Why? Because Paul's like, listen, uh, you follow my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, um, and my persecutions. Yet from all this, the Lord has has rescued me from and if this is the only model that you are following i.e. a 30 minute sermon and then like leaving and there's nothing else out there that you're following like you're not getting the full benefits of discipleship that's what Paul's talking about here you're following after someone no matter how appealing the preacher may be no matter how well spoken the preacher Maybe if he's not following in the truth of God's word, he's not worth following. So there's like the other thing of that. Like if you're following someone, make sure they got the right gospel. Make sure they're going to lead you to the straight and narrow. And I think like this whole stardom, this, this whole Christian celebrityism that we have going on right now is so damning to us. Like, they may say the right things, they may look the right part, they may look, you know, they have this attractive model, but so many of them, dear friends, are preaching to you a shallow word. Do not follow. We've got men here that you can follow, actually. 
who aren't shallow in their faith, who will call you up on your sin when you need to be called upon. Men that you can, men and women that you could follow after their model. And what does Paul immediately say? But Timothy, here's what you need to know. Look at verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus, what will happen to them? Thank you, John. Nobody else listen. Appreciate it. We joke. Janky finger and all, he over there flipping the pages. They'll be persecuted. And, and moreover, there's evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So understand this, Timothy. As you follow after Christ, as you follow after path that I've laid out for you, you know that there's going to be a risk to this. There's always a risk. Everyone who desires to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. If I imitate Jesus, if I imitate his ways, since the world hates Jesus, I'm using Jesus' words here, y'all, they will hate you too. When we talk about persecution, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's just something that happens around the world. We don't really think that that could happen to us today. But today in the 21st century, uh, we're actually living in like the height of where there's been more persecution right now than there's been in a really long time. In fact, research would suggest that around 11 Christians are killed for their faith every single day. Very seldom will you hear this on the news. Some will be kidnapped. Women, women will be kidnapped and raped and brought into other people's religions and married into them. This is happening right now. Now, sometimes when we, when we think about persecution, we think, well, it's not really happening here. We pray for the people in China. We pray for the people in Iran. We pray for all these people where all these horrendous things are taking place. But persecution can also be a mental thing. Persecution, I believe, is, yes, physical, but persecution could also be mental. In, in other words, persecution could be, mean that you just kind of get ousted for, for your beliefs in Christ, in, in your job, at your school. And yet, this takes place, y'all. Like, saying that that's not persecution, oh, bless your heart. Poor little baby got ousted by somebody. All right, let me, let me put it into a, a, let me put it to you like this, because this is the only way I know how to put it. I put it to you in, in this way many times. It never gets old. Stub your toe. Oh, it's just a pinky toe. No, stub it. I've stubbed mine twice, broke it twice this year. You know where I was after I stubbed it? On the floor. <laughs> crying out for God to rescue me. And end me of this life. You know, you look at like churches, uh, even now in America, where, where governors are saying you can't meet, and in particular, I'm talking about California, where they said you can't meet churches, but you know who can meet? Strip clubs. Because everybody needs to go to a strip club. Because the virus is immune in strip clubs. Philip, you got to stop that, man, because I, I can go on a tangent right there. 
I mean, really, what is it? Like you're naked or something? That means you're not going to get the virus? Now, in some, in some of you, and <laughs> some of you think, some of you think, oh, bless their heart just because they can't meet. Okay, well, maybe you're not a single person. And maybe your church doesn't mean that much to you. All right, I'm not one of those doom and gloom preachers. Not my style. I don't really, I don't like to get off on those little tangents. I kind of have an optimistic view of the kingdom and rule of God here now, which gives me a brighter hope than some pre-trib people, but I won't go there. Um, But I have an optimistic view, but I also know that, that America has its cracks and its foundations, and I'm not here to be the doom and gloom person, and let's go bunker down and grab all the ammo we can, but that physical persecution that's happening around the world, it will happen here. It may not happen in my lifetime, but it, it'll happen. You know, I think about this passage, and I think about how, you know, Paul instructing Timothy, like, just, man, you gotta keep it going follow the model and when you do Timothy it may get bad like, like where where my family and I are moving like like I, I kind of I've been mentally preparing myself for this because I understand my kids are going to be in the minority of religious thought and I can't help but to think like there are times where they're going to be ostracized because of their faith in the triune God. And there are times when I think about how that may affect them, where they will be challenged, and dad's not there to come in and swoop in, kick butts, and take names. I'll have to just trust God. Like, I, I know you've saved them, and I'll just have to trust him that, that this demonic, spiritual, warfare that I'll just have to trust God that he's got them. It's part of following Christ is that I will be a minority there, a spiritual minority, and I will be in a a spiritual warfare. And I, I love because right after he said this, he's like, listen, follow the model. Keep doing it. Keep going. Keep going. Persecution's coming. And I love why I said, to underline this word, he says, don't give up. Continue. I love this. But as for you, continue in what you have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you learned it. Y'all, Paul's bad. He's like, because you learned it from me right? Like, he is not, like, shying away from what he has done in Timothy's life. Like, Paul's faced all of these crazy things. He's faced the persecution, and he needs Timothy to know, like, you have to continue to grow in what? In the Word of God, and what you have firmly believed in. Others will go from good to worse. You, Timothy, you've got to go from good to better, and continue in what you have learned. What has Timothy learned? The word of God. 
knowing from whom he's learned it from. How did he learn it? He followed the model. He followed Paul. Continue, Timothy. Like, grow in this, Timothy. Continue in the word of God. The only way you will be able to defeat the lies of the enemy is just know the word of God. You counter all of the lies of the enemy with, but thus says the Lord. With the word of God, you counter what culture is telling you that is acceptable with, but thus says the Lord, the word of God. That's continuing. And Paul's like, listen, the only way you'll be able to counter all this mess, the only way you're going to be able to counter all them false jokers who are going to try to peep up in, creep up in the church is that you know the word of God. I've got to point out like what he says about the word of God because you cannot skip this when Paul says in verse 15 that it's the sacred writings. Man, I love that. Sacred. To set apart. Word sacred here, it means to give something its highest honor or its highest, or you just kind of, are you in awe of this word? Like today, our society, we give our, our, our allness or our highest honor to, I don't know, like celebrities or political leaders or, or maybe you, you give all of your highest honor and the things, the materialistic things that you value. I wonder what it would look like if we could just switch that all around for the things that you have no business having all for and have an awe for the word of God. The sacred writing here. Paul gives it, I love that he gives it this, this description here. I don't know if like a charismatic movement was happening back there, but it, yeah. <laughs> I love how Paul just, he just like, listen, this is where you give your all to. And if you don't know how like to read the Bible, if you don't know how to apply, if you don't know anything about the Word, like I'll give you a shameless plug, Keith. You can you could come see Keith every Sunday morning at ten o'clock. There's no excuse. You've got a guy you can follow, who can help you out. And so, what does it do? Like, okay, we have the Word of God. We are holding it in its highest honor, and look what happens. Look what it says. It says it leads us. To salvation doesn't cause salvation, right? Jesus Christ gives us salvation, but it reveals, as you read the Word of God, you will see that it reveals your need for salvation. It is what I call a mirror, reveals how filthy you are. But the Word of God just doesn't leave you there for you just to look at your filthiness, because the Word of God, it leads you to salvation. And this plan that God has laid out for you for salvation. And not only this, like, look what he says. So, so now you follow the model. Get ready because the hate's coming. Don't give up. And look what he says here in verse 6 or 16. All scripture. Hopefully this, this verse now has, has a brighter meaning to you now. All scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So remember the context here, what, what Timothy is facing. He's facing false teachers, false narratives, something that culture says is acceptable but counter to the word of God. So Paul's here is like, listen, Timothy, I know there's a lot of voices outside trying to let their voice be heard on the inside. Remember, there's only one standard of truth. It's the word of God, that scripture, that this thing that we hold to the highest honor is God breathed, just as God breathed life into man, God breathed out his word that we have. This is the final word. The word of God is our authority. The word of God for you refuge is your authority. And when it doesn't look like culture, you've got a standard of living right here. Even when culture is telling you what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and I'm not like trying to shove my fist down culture's face. I'm just trying to get to you like the kind of life that we're in today our standard of truth is the word of God. It is not what a politician tells us. It is not what culture and celebrities tell you. This is where our standard is. It is God-breathed. And I love what he says because the word of God is good for actually something. Teaching. What is right? Reproof. What is not right? Correction, how to get right. And training, how to stay right. This is what the Word of God does inside of us. It tells us what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. The Word of God, our standard of truth. And then like, finally, like, look, what, look what here Paul says what also the Word of God does for us. Look what he says. It completes us. Man. I love that. This word complete, it means it, means it, it makes you like you are now in shape. Like you are in physical shape. You are fit. Like the Word of God, it trains you. It makes you fit for what? It equips you for service. So the word of God sharpening inside of you, Timothy. It's like, Timothy, stay with the word. Stay with this sacred literature for this purpose. So that it will complete you, make you fit. So that you are fit for serving the kingdom. So many of us are looking for our completion to be found in so many things of this world. Like we think if we get the right marriage, we'll be complete. If we, if we get a better child, we'll be complete. If, if my family would just act right, if my, my coworkers would just act right, I'll, I'll finally feel this, this completion in my life. But you won't. How do you find it? 
in the word of God. There, the word of God sharpens you, rips apart your muscles, and strengthens you. And Paul says, just for one purpose right here, so that you can serve, so that you are equipped to go out and herald the banner of the good news of the gospel and herald the banner of the gospel and its reconciliation power to bring sinners into the light of Christ. Paul is writing this final letter here to his, his, his young protege, Timothy. He says, Timothy, if I can just tell you anything, just, just follow after what I've been doing. You've seen me, like you've seen those healings, like you've seen me get kicked out of town. You've seen me like get just the, just my can beat. And I've done all of this for the sake of the gospel. He's, he's telling Timothy like, look, you've known what we've gone through together. Keep it going. Yeah, you're going to be persecuted, Timothy, but, but keep it going. You ha this is how you live like it's the end. Continue in this word that, 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 that your mom and grandmama brought you up in. You continue in that word. And you obey it. You guard it. You proclaim it, Timothy. He's not giving him anything new. No new news here, y'all. He's just reminding him. Like, Timothy, you, you know, you've seen my life post-Christ. Just follow after that. And just like as, as if the word of God is, is the truth, and it was the word of truth for Timothy as he's reading, it's also the word of truth for us, refuge. Follow the model that's here. Refuge. Know that it's not going to be easy. And refuge, know that hard times may come. Live like it's the end. Paul is going to give a couple of final instructions to his boy Timothy. In my mind, I just pause in this cell and rolls up this letter and in possibly one to two years he's martyred. He's died. But Timothy continues on and, and what does Timothy do and he, he, he then passes it on to someone else and then they pass it on to someone else and then they pass it on and then here we are all the way from a cell in Rome 2,000 years ago somehow it makes it here in West Point, Georgia how did that happen? because someone was living like it was the end. Okay, here's some, some incredible news for you. I'm always wanting to give you some good news. You're going to die one day. I know we don't like talking about it. Nobody likes being morbid, that morbid guy. I mean, if you are, you're like, hey, dude, you're going to die. I mean, just nobody, nobody likes to be around a sack of clouds. But I'm here to bring you a sack of cloud. 
actually a bit of ray of sunshine. One day you're going to die. And when you're on your deathbed, like, will you be able to say, I live like it was the end every day of my life? Will you be able to say that? Like, will you be able to, like, will I, Matthew, on my deathbed, hopefully many, many years from now, when I'm old and bald and feeble and I'm on my deathbed, will I be able to look at my children, Lord willing, and my grandchildren and say I lived every day of my life like it was the end? And can you also say, follow after what I did? That's, that's what Paul's doing here. And I know some of his thing, well, Paul, yo, Paul, like, no, come on now. Like, you telling me I gotta be like Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Paul says, imitate me as I imitate God. What say you, refuge? One day, refuge, maybe a hundred years from now, will not be here. Will the story of the church be refuge lived every day of their life like it was the end? And I challenge you on that, that in a couple weeks when I'm not here, will you still be a church living every day like it's the end?